Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Political State Podcast. I'm Ben Felder here in the Oklahomans Podcast Studio. And for the next half hour, we are going to be discussing the slate of proposed maps for projects that the Oklahoma City Council will be considering on Tuesday. MAPS is a series of sales tax capital project programs first approved by voters in 1993. It has built stadiums, libraries, convention centers, the new downtown streetcar line, funded school improvements, and a new downtown park. It's a pay-as-you-go, debt-free funding program that's drawn the attention of many cities across the country and has kind of been the catalyst for remaking Oklahoma City over the past few decades. This latest iteration is expected to be voted on by voters in December. And joining me to discuss the latest proposed projects include Steve Lackmeyer, business columnist for The Oklahoman, Kayla Branch, who has written a lot about poverty and social programs in the community and some of the specific programs that have been proposed, and Ryan Sharp, sports editor for The Oklahoman. And there are 16 projects. I'm not going to read off all of them, um, but there's no doubt that human needs and neighborhoods are a major focus. And that was something that really started being discussed years ago, Steve, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, this has been bubbling for at least the last five or six years. Uh, we had seen this gradual move toward neighborhoods with MAPS 3 when they did sidewalks and trails and some senior wellness centers. But there was this idea of we can go even more we can do more on this we can maybe hit the really hard ones like homelessness and affordable housing and poverty and mental health and addiction and that conversation never really went away and as we saw a turnover on the council to a much younger generation the maps generation it really really gained some momentum yeah. Some of that younger generation, including some new members of the council, um, have at times been a little critical of MAPS saying, hey, it, it's been focused too much on these large-scale capital projects. Uh, it, it reminded of something that former councilwoman Meg Sawyer said on her way out that she didn't seek re-election this year, saying that, hey, we created MAPS to draw on this new generation, and now they're kind of taking, taking the steering wheel, and that's what you're seeing. It's a little bit ironic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and truly, I mean, the MAPS generation doesn't know in Oklahoma City where you didn't want to stay here, where people went to Dallas or to Denver or anywhere but stay here. I mean, I'm Generation X, and very few of us stayed. Yeah. Uh, and MAPS rebuilt our city in a way in which that changed. Yeah. And, and in the original MAPS was kind of completing the checklist of what you'd expect in a major city, an arena, a convention center, uh, revitalizing downtown. Some of these, you know, I don't want to call them easy projects, but kind of the low-hanging fruit of what you could uh, envision in a new city. Um, and we're going to get into some uh, some of those aspects that remain in this in this proposal. But, I mean, we're seeing things, Kayla, something you've written about a lot, um, you know, programs to, to work with the homeless and affordable housing and, and mental health and maybe diversion programs. I mean, some of these social needs that we haven't really seen as a part of MAPS are reflected quite a, quite heavily in this, in right, this proposal. Right, right. And I think part of that is because the city council and Mayor David Holt really took um, and made a big emphasis on getting community input from the get-go. They started um, asking folks for proposals last year on what they'd like to see included, and they created you know a really formal process to have people um, bring forward ideas and say, this is what our community needs. And some of the just regular citizens citizens in Oklahoma City have said, we saw the transformational power of maps. We have seen that this works. And now we want to take that transformational power and apply it to more of those uh, 
complex social needs, like you had mentioned, Steve. Um, We know that it works, and we want it to work in these areas, too, in ways that will impact our daily lives and our family members and our children. Yeah. And now that's not to say that some of these traditional capital projects aren't included that uh, mm-hmm. we're going to uh, proposed is $115 million for expansion and renovation of Chesapeake Energy Arena where the Thunder play. And Ryan, I want to bring you in here. I mean, we, we've seen that a little bit of money for a multi-purpose stadium that's, that's tailored towards uh, soccer and the Oklahoma City Energy Um how how we didn't hear a lot from the thunder. I mean, we saw a lot of other groups really publicly pr- pushing their proposals. I mean, the energy went on a really media blitz, but I don't recall hearing too much publicly from the thunder. But but here it is included. Uh, is this an important piece of the pie for the thunder going forward? I mean, I think it is. If you look at uh, the thunder's history um, and what happened and what eventually led them to Oklahoma City. What you saw in Seattle was a city that wasn't really uh, prepared or willing to put a whole lot of money into an arena uh, to keep the team that they had. So I think a lot of this is uh, being done ahead of time to make sure that there is no question down the road. Um, the Thunder's uh, lease with the arena is coming up um, here in the next couple of years. Same thing with the practice facility. Um, I think if you uh, look at what they've done in the past and the improvements that they've made since the Thunder has become their main tenant, um, a lot of that has been done to try to keep them uh, happy and, and not really to where they have to go and ask for stuff to be done. Yeah. And let me add something. What I'm hearing from my sources is if this passes, um, both with the council putting it on a resolution tomorrow and then also, you know, with voters on December 10th, I believe, uh, we're in good shape to get likely a 15 year extension on the lease with the Thunder. That's significant in this day and age, isn't it, Ryan? It is, and that was the original terms of the lease when they when they when the uh, Thunder first relocated uh, to Oklahoma City. It was a 15-year agreement, which I think is in 2023. I think yes. is the end of that uh, yeah. agreement. So we're getting awful close. Um, I think for the city, the Thunder, nobody wants to get to even within two years of that without an agreement, a long-term agreement. Um, and so you look at the arena, and we've talked before. It's it's. It's a bargain um, for what they've spent, what they spent to build it, the first round of improvements, and then this round of improvements. You're still not even anywhere near 500 million when most arenas that are being built now are in the 800, 900 billion dollar range. Um, yeah. So it's a bargain for what for what it is. Um, and the the listen the improvements they made the last time around on the concourse, the new entrance on the southwest side, all those things um, were massive and had huge impact uh, on the uh, customer experience once they stepped inside that arena. Um, and I think this, uh, other than the, the 9% or so that's going to be allocated for the practice facility, most of the things that they're going to do with this round are going to be fan improvements as well. Yeah. And also keep in mind, part of this is maintenance. We've got an arena that's going to soon turn 20 years old. Yes, folks. It's been that long. It opened in 2002. So you've got a big asset there. If you own a home, after 20 years, you've got to do things like replace the roof, which they're doing out of the old bond issue that was passed a couple years ago. But also there's other items, too, that just you've got to fix it. They're going to replace the seats. Those seats were never great to begin with. They were hated. So they'll be upgrading seats 20 years you got to do that. Yeah. And it's not, you know, hey, there's critics out there, and I'll, I'll admit I, I'm, I'm one of them that, you know, kind of scoff at the idea of public financing for sports stadiums. And I'm a big sports fan, but I mean, it just, it's, you know, it's I'm, I'm, I'm in that crowd of people who, who, are, who feel like that should be scrutinized. But as you said, Ryan, I mean, when you really think about the total price tag, um, I mean, we can debate 
how much value, but there obviously is a value in having an arena. There's a value in having a professional sports te- team, especially for a city like Oklahoma City. And $80 million to to build it the first time around, um, $120 million when the Thunder came. Now, part of that was pr- for the practice facility, uh, $115 being proposed this time. I mean, even if all of that goes to the arena, I mean, it's $300 million. I mean, we're seeing arenas built right now that are close, that are, that are approaching a billion dollars and, yeah. and taking out debt yeah. to do it. This is cash. Yeah, and I thought the language in the resolution was interesting because um, it said sustaining and transformational effect of the downtown area currently known as Chesapeake Arena and the related facilities have had on downtown Oklahoma City. So I think that they understand that it's just a, it's a furtherance of what they've tried to do since uh, 2007. Um, and so I, I thought it was interesting that they, that was the first sentence in the, in the part about the arena improvements was that they understand that there was a lot that the building of that arena and the team coming has done a lot for the city and its national, uh, na- the view of the city nationally. Um, so this is to further that idea. And it's and it's hard to, I mean, even though the Thunder have been here for 10 years, I mean, it's they're so connected with the city, it's hard to kind of imagine this. But listen, I mean, we're about to enter an era of Thunder basketball where, uh, you know, it's uh, there may be some, some down years and maybe many down years. And so the idea of locking the team in long term, I mean, it, for some, it's hard to imagine the team would be floating the idea of moving. But, you know. It's better probably to, you know, if you're, you're a Thunder fan, better to lock that down now, especially before we kind of enter this era where we're not really sure what we're going to get in terms yeah, of Yeah, listen, I think that there's that they're uh, looking at things that they haven't had to deal with in the past. And some of that is as easy as selling tickets. Yeah. Um, there are some emails going around to, season, or to, to uh, ticket holders asking, do you want to buy more tickets? Do you want to buy more season tickets? Um, in the past, we've always heard that there's been a, a waiting list for season tickets. Uh, we're actually working on stories right now whether whether or not that waiting list still exists, um, how hard it would be to get season tickets, where it is, if it's just folks that didn't renew, um, and those t- tickets are now available. Um, so I think they've got some challenges coming up. Listen, the roster's not Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Those guys aren't walking through the door in October when we start uh, regular season games. Um, they do have a, a young roster that'll be fun to watch, um, but we really don't know what, what we're going to be seeing towards the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. I'm kind of curious. Uh, you know, when this all came out, I wanted to really hear from you guys on this whole discussion on the multi-purpose stadium. Yes, it would be the anchor tenant would be the energy the soccer team, but they're talking about this potential for high school football championships and regional and state uh, competitions there. What what kind of potential do we have there, especially when you think about uh, economic impact and all that? Um, I think it's big. Like right now, you with high school basketball, and, and we'll get to this when we talk about the the state fair arena. But right now, it's split. Small schools are here in Oklahoma City. Large schools are in Tulsa. Um, with football, it's spread out all over the place. Um, there are games in Tulsa. There are games here. This would be the first time that they would be able to kind of centralize uh, high school football championships in one place. Um, I mean, with a seating capacity of eight thousand, uh, which is what the initial uh, or initial plan is. Um, that's more than enough for a for a high school state championship football game, um, and then it, later on, if they end up expanding the thing, if it gets built, um, and they're talking about twenty thousand, obviously there's all kinds of things you can do with twenty thousand seats. Um, but to me, the 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 economic impact of having all of those high school football championships in one place, or at least most of them, um, would be huge for Oklahoma City. Uh, in the Coliseum, what I'm hearing is that we're looking at about twenty five million. Uh, from the state fair board's bonding capacity that would go toward that cost. So it, 
you know, in a couple of these projects, Ben, we're looking at uh, not getting everything they asked for. So the uh, the plan and funding for the stadium is far less than Bob Funk Jr. was pushing for, but they can make it work. On the Coliseum, it is less than what the fair board asked for. They're asking for like $26 million, but ultimately the fair board's going to pay about $25 million of the cost for the Coliseum. Yeah, the initial uh, proposals uh, for the arena at the at the fairgrounds was somewhere in the 90, 96 million yeah, range. 96. And the allocation for this was 63, um, of which 25 of that's going to come from, like you said, uh, other places. Yeah. Um, and then for the soccer stadium, the 37 million that was included, that was allocated as part of this, was on the very low end of the two proposals that they presented. Um, I think the second proposal was 37 to 43 million or something in that range so this is on the low end of that yeah um so things like uh, awnings over certain parts of the seating things like that are what you see come off of that list uh for for what they want to do now when they made the proposal uh they made it very clear that uh if you want something bigger um so whether that's um mls or anything like that then you're gonna have to look at expanse stadium expansion to twenty thousand, more covered areas uh, other uh, other improvements um so that's something else that they're gonna have to look at down the line if they're serious about trying to get mls here in oklahoma city but they would design this for that expansion so yeah. you wouldn't have to redo it yeah is the state fair arena really in that bad of shape it's it's not good um if you've been to any events there in the last Oh, five to ten years. Um, the seating, uh, especially for high school basketball, is not great. Um, the they have to bring in bleachers, uh, bleacher seating for the floor, and then the old chairback seating that's kind of up in the arena is those old wooden chairs like you used to see in auditoriums 40, 50 years ago. Um, and then when you start talking about the high dollar horse shows that you have that come in through there, um, those those events in other cities are in these palaces um, that mm-hmm. are built specifically for that. Um, it's served its purpose. It's been around since the 60s. 67. Yeah. Um, so it's it's served its purpose. Um, it's it still very affectionately referred to as the big house by high school kids that want to end up uh, playing their uh, state championship basketball games there. So that'll be interesting. There's going to be a lot of history that's lost when they start going and playing somewhere else. Um, if it's a new arena right there uh, close, it's still – um, a lot of things have happened in that arena, a lot of memories for high school athletes. Um, I mean, folks like Pistol Pete Maravich, uh, there have been concerts in that thing. There's been uh, countless horse shows. Uh, but it's uh, it's time for, for something new and better out there. Yeah. Okay, oh, one, one point I wanted to make, um, because of something you had said, Ryan, and what I've heard from folks who are critical of these more traditional entertainment-oriented MAPS projects and proposals like the stadiums and the arenas is that they can be funded in other ways. And one of those ways was um, having a surcharge on tickets. And um, so basically where only the people who are using these facilities are going to be helping pay for their upgrades. And I wonder, after what you had pointed out about the Thunder um, struggling to get people to buy tickets or um, some of the facilities not being you know ideal and so folks maybe don't want to go to an event there is something like a surcharge on tickets to help pay for those things probable would that have worked would those other funding mechanisms be something that maybe the city council should look into yeah i actually went back and looked at the proposal this morning and the last sentence in the uh, the part about the improvements for the arena includes a, a line about um the, if a new lease agreement is agreed to, that that would include a mechanism for revenue um, to be directed for, towards future improvements to the arena. So they're already kind of looking at that and realizing, listen, we're probably getting to the end of folks', folks uh, 
patients as far as uh, these arena improvements. So they're already trying to figure out other ways to fund those. It's interesting. We've got a lot of details in this whole proposal like that one. I did not get to see that yet that are still just surfacing. I mean, the parks proposal includes building a new dam on the river to extend the waterway into northeast Oklahoma City uh, to, I think, 36. And they're also looking at a pedestrian bridge connection and uh, landing uh, near the American Indian Cultural Center. Uh, you know, and then you talk about Palomar, that would be a new place built downtown. But I'm hearing that, especially with the social services, and I was wanting to ask you about this, you know, we have a lot of people doing the whataboutism arguments, whether you're right or left. So, well, that you know, building new housing won't be the full solution. But what strikes me on the social services is how they all kind of link together. Yeah. And talk about that because you've got after-school programs and youth activity centers. You've got drug addiction and mental health treatment. You've got the diversion hub. And then you've got affordable housing and you know, mm-hmm. treatment for the homeless. And it looks like what they're doing is not just treating the symptom of all this, but treating the cause. And if you could, right. I'm intrigued by this. I look forward to a lot of your coverage because you've been doing a great job. Thank all you. This. Yeah, well, I think that it really speaks to just the nature of these types of problems. Like you said, you know, you can um, give somebody substance abuse treatment, but if they still have the same mental health problems that stem from living on the street, then it's not really going to fully fix that problem. And so I think that they definitely have taken this very holistic approach. Um, You know, they've tried in the past, there have been like at the county jail, for example, and they've been trying to do mental health um, treatment programs for inmates, but that one piece of the pie isn't going to be enough to solve the problem that we have in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma County, and filling up our jail cells with folks who are nonviolent, low-level offenders with um, a drug problem or, you know, a petty larceny. And so I think that this package and and grouping of the social service programs are, like you said, I mean, that's the whole point is we're addressing these issues from a very holistic standpoint and attaching, uh, you know, different areas that need a focus. And and this will help fund those and I think hopefully um, make a big impact. Do we know of any other cities that have taken this broad of a holistic approach i don't i don't think so not not all at the same time where we're going to see over eight years all of these things get attention and funding yeah not in a like like you said not not at the same time but i do think when i see some of these things like after school programs and some of these diversion centers i mean these do exist in other cities Mm -hmm. i mean these these are things that yeah i mean i think in our recent history well for our most of our history the compartmentalization of where you know the, the schools are separate the city is separate the county is separate even in cities where those entities really are separate there has been kind of more of a blending and maybe that's because they've been dealing with some of those urban issues for longer than, than we have and so um, I think it is unique that we're taking it all on in kind of you know one shot but I do think it's one of those things that's kind of catching us up to where what you know what right. we see happening in, in some other cities you know and I think you know, it, so this is a, a political show, and, and politics are involved because mm-hmm. a the council elected leaders are going to have to approve this, and then it's going to go to a vote of the people. Um, you know, I 
you know, some of the initial response we've seen from the council, I've really only seen a couple of things on social media. Uh, Councilwoman Jo Beth Hammond, newly elected this year, who is who really ran on a platform of trans- transit and social services. Um, she kind of expressed on Twitter some frustration. I don't want to put some words in her mouth, but just some concerns that she didn't think enough was going to some of those social programs. And, and I'm not going to say that she's going to vote against it. I, that's, I don't think that she indicated that. Um, but what's interesting to me is that uh, – is it an, is it what everyone would want? No, that's part of what maps has always been, right? Um, but it's hard to imagine to see much revolt from kind of the traditional social service community when a lot of them are kind of covered in this. I mean, no, they're you, you, thrilled. Yeah, I mean, you see it, some pretty prominent players in that a- area that are getting a piece of this pie that I I don't think you're going to see come out and say like, no, well, but we're giving 115 to the Thunder. And remember though. The social service-oriented projects haven't really seen any cuts in all this uh, give and take. It is the traditional MAPS projects that have been challenged to find other other funding. For example, the Innovation District proposal. They were told, look, you know, we'll give you this much. So the Innovation District is not getting as much money as they're asking for because they're being told, we expect you to raise $10 million to match $10 million you would get for the Innovation Center. It's a good project, and there's a lot of economic development potential with the Innovation District idea. But they're being told, look, you have the means to raise some of your own capital, so we'll give you $10 million and you match it. Again, the stadium, the Coliseum, they're being told the same thing. You're going to have to pony up or, you know, or be humble in what you're asking for. Uh, the arena is the only one where they're getting pretty much what they're asking for. And again, I think we all agree, though, it's an incredible bargain that we've gotten there and we'll still have. Well, and I don't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of setting it up as if you have this large group of people that are really looking at the social aspects yeah. and are going to have to reluctantly agree to the sports stuff. But That's I, that, but you know what? One, but, 1993. But I think it works both ways. And not to say that you can't also can't be a sports fan and also support mental health programs. But I mean, Ryan, I mean, there's a lot of sports fans in this town, right? I mean, there probably are a lot of people who are like, well, I don't know that I'm excited about a diversion hub or a Palomar Center, but man, I want the Thunder to be competitive and I want to have state of the art. I want a soccer team to stay here. I mean, this is also playing to that crowd, which is rather large in this community. Well, as you said, this is a political show, but what have we spent more time talking about? Uh, The sports sports programs that are part of this. And that's, um, listen, we put together a very short uh, item on Friday that was going to be, that we ran in print that just listed the sports uh, projects. That got a whole bunch of traffic on our website. Yeah, it did. um, Because it's what uh, what this area of the country is known for, and it's what people are so passionate about. Um, Now, again, like you said, I don't think you're going to find anybody that is going to say, well, we don't need all this other stuff. Let's just focus on this. Um, I, when you look at the the projects that they, they have in here, and, and listen, the, the Fairgrounds Arena, that's been a known issue for 15, 20 years now. That was going to come up at some point. It was a matter of where the money was going to come from. Um, the arena, the uh, Chesapeake Arena improvements in the practice facility, you're trying to further, um, uh, trying to hold on to something that's done a lot of good for the city. Um, the soccer stadium, that's, a, again, another issue that's been uh, around and, and talked about for uh, 
five, ten years now. Um, these are things that uh, that have been around and people have talked about, um, and now they're kind of starting to try to act on them and, and seeing what they can do to help improve the, the city's... And other, yeah, and, and other than maybe the soccer stadium, what I also find unique in this slate of project proposals is there's not too many of the... It, if you build it, they will come arguments like we've seen in the past, like with the convention yeah. center or the streetcar saying, hey, we think it'll work. You know, mm-hmm. we, we think there's a market for more conventions to come here. We think people want a downtown streetcar system. We think that they want, you know, a new canal. Uh, you know, other, maybe the soccer stadium, you can fit in that category. But we know the success that the Thunder have had and the viability of the arena. Uh, you know, you look at things like you know, the Palomar Family Justice Center. I mean, they have shown success in what they already have. I mean, so for the most part, these are things that, hey, building on what we know have already been working, have already been successful, and let's continue to build on that. Well, and not only that, but and of course, me being uh, the sports editor, my job is to look at the sports-specific things. And so the first thing that jumped out to me, I mean, I've got a 12-year-old kid. And so the first thing I saw was $63 million for parks improvements, of which $29 million is for youth and uh, adult soccer fields. Uh, 11.5 is for uh, river improvements, like what Steve was talking about, which also has uh, sports ties to it, all the regattas that they have down there. All of that uh, we'll see uh, improvements as well. $500,000 for outdoor basketball and pickleball courts. Um so there's other things, other parts of this that reach into the sports community that aren't 100 and whatever million for arena improvements, um, which again goes back to your uh, public health and getting people outside and being active, hopefully to curb some of the issues that come up later in life. Yeah. And, and Ben, as much as we can tie together the social services, I can tie it all together. Because first of all, as, you know, Ryan talked about the parks. We're looking at a maps for kids approach to parks. Every park is going to be touched which is great. And as he said, you've got these programs for kids to keep them out of trouble. Let's talk about the stadium and let's talk about the arena and all that. How much involvement has the Thunder had in our community in terms of giving kids heroes that are much better alternatives to what we have out there in the streets? How many investments have they made in reading rooms and basketball courts and giving kids a chance to dream of something? give them something to aspire to uh same with soccer with our hispanic community you know we need to start realizing this is not just a white town with cowboys and meat and and you know we i mean we're a very diverse city and soccer is a big part of that diversification and it gives them something to look forward to, especially with all the fields in future. They can see these big league soccer stars and then start playing soccer themselves. Yeah. And they're given this new direction that otherwise they might just be out of straits getting into trouble. Well, and to throw, you know, and to say some positive things about this, I mean, you know, and this is the case with many sports teams, but I mean, the Thunder have been pretty involved in the community. And with the energy and field to futures, I mean, that has been a pretty big uh, program for for urban middle and high schools, just transforming their uh, their athletic facilities. And so I think, you know, I mean, I think, I think people recognize that too. I mean, I don't, like I said, skeptical of, of giving sports teams public money yes but you know the the thunder and the energy have at, at the very least been good you know corporate citizens if, if not pretty great ones in what they've done and i don't think there's an argument that they've just come in and tried to just make as much money as they can without at least having a a positive impact in the community I mean, clay bennett thunder he's been very involved in trying to 
get us off of, you know, dead center on the jail and all the problems we've had and him talking about it. We're being treated like a debtors in prison. It's just really bad. Yeah. He's given tons of his time for that. And then you want to talk to Palomar, which has been an amazing resource for our community. Who's one of the big funders and backers of that? It's Bob Funk Jr. and his wife, Kim. Yeah. I mean, and if you're, Kim is leading it. Yeah. If you're the owner of the Thunder and Energy, not only are you happy to get some of the money for your facilities, but you're happy to probably with some of these other programs that you have, uh, you, know, you have some involvement in. Right, we have just a couple minutes left. And one key question I want to ask is, um, you know, we talked about this idea that, that the uniqueness of maps has been that, you know, hey, here are a few projects I like. Here's a few projects you like. It, it's this kind of, you know, grand cooperation. It's 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 unique in the fact that it's it's cash, you know, you, you don't have debt and that everyone's saying that we get we're getting something that we want, you're getting something you want. Do we still exist in a political reality where that's that's the case? I mean, it's been a while since we voted on maps. Yeah, we did the extension for streets, but um, I mean it seems like Paul you know politics is becoming more of a you get into your corner and where the argument is no longer, hey, I'm getting sixty percent, seventy percent of what I want, that's great. Now you're saying I'm only getting seventy percent of what I want. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, drown the whole thing. Uh, the sh- shiftingness nature of politics, does that impact maps I, at all? I, I, I hope not. Uh, you know, you want to know the real secret sauce of maps and where Oklahoma City has come from 25 years ago. I mean, this was a city that was dying. It's not dying today. And that was because you had people from different backgrounds representing different constituencies, different ideas, all coming together and realizing, you know what, we can move forward and not have to get mucked up in all these differences. And so far it's gone pretty well. Um, we have a MAPS generation that's risen up. Uh, I'm hoping they realize that tomorrow. Uh, they don't have to like everything, but there's so much for everybody. And again, the social services aspect on this, I think I, is it 75% of this is for social uh, services? Yeah. And I mean, just public transit aspect of this, yeah, which we, we haven't even talked about, that, yeah. mm-hmm. is transformative. Man, it's bus rabbit transit lines into the south side and northeast side it's 500 new bus shelters that are real shelters lit with trash cans and you know treating our passengers humanely for a change like customers uh there's so much in this i i can't imagine any of the social services telling joe beth or anyone else you should oppose this because we didn't get everything yeah I definitely, I no definitely think that, um, you know, a lot of folks, they're saying some criticisms, but I think it's just that. They're, they want to say them. They want people to know that, hey, I wish or we wish that maybe there was more for social services, and and then that's kind of the end of it. We want you to know. We want to raise awareness that the needs are bigger than what we're getting, but I think people realize that this is important, an important step, right? This is a new type of maps, um, and I think people are excited, and, and like you were kind of saying with the diversity aspect, I mean, they're going to create a museum for the civil rights movement that yep. started in Oklahoma City. Which I mean, is that's, amazing. Yeah, I mean, We've that's so exciting, and I, I, so I think that, you know, while maybe there are criticisms that are valid, People are ready for this maps to come, and yeah. I think that it won't um, get too political in terms of I'm not getting 100% of what I want, so this can't go forward. I think people just want to recognize that dynamic, but I think that oh, ultimately they'll come together. And well, the debate yeah. is good, Ben. We've had too no, many is, yeah. times where it's like, let's all not debate at all. 
we should have Joe Beth speaking out like this. Mm-hmm. I would hate to live in a city where they're like, oh, we can't say anything. No, we should have that. But at some point, you got to go, okay, now that it's passed, let's let's do it. Yeah. Well, and, and we'll see how some of the council votes and what they say. And I know, Kayla, on, on Monday evening tonight, mm-hmm. you're going to be covering a, a town hall. Uh, the voice, which you've written about, is, is, is putting together. And so we'll see some feedback there. But as we as we wrap up here, I mean, if you are if, if you are a supporter of, of Councilman Cooper, who was elected this year, I think you can see his fingerprints in this and you can say, I elected Cooper for this and I'm seeing the fruits of that. If you are a supporter of Councilwoman Hammond, you can see her fingerprints prints in this. And if you are a supporter of Mayor David Holt, who more than a year in still seems to have a lot of political capital and, and, and a lot of favorability. I mean, it's just it's anecdotal. But. Um, you know, this is something where we're, you know, he's the one who's putting together the proposals. And, you know, if you have a mayor that's favorably viewed by the majority of the city who's taking this on as one of his biggest achievements early on, it stands to reason that he'll probably build a lot of support from that. So, uh, you know, we'll continue to have this conversation and seeing this. I hope you guys are interested in maps because you're going to get a lot of coverage continuing for <laughs> as we go forward uh, between now and December. Um, our colleague uh, Bill Crum, who covers City Hall, is going to continue to cover the council and their decisions on Tuesday. I know Ryan, the sports department, is going to be continuing to look at some of these aspects. Kayla, you'll continue on your beat and Steve. So uh, we're going to to continue to cover uh, the MAPS 4 process as we get closer to a, a likely December 10th vote. Uh, but that's going to do it for this special edition of the Political State Podcast. You can find this each and every other episode on your favorite podcasting app. You can also find us on the Oklahoman YouTube page. Steve, Ryan, Kayla, thanks so much for your time. Thank we'll you. see thanks you for another for episode later this week. Thanks. Thanks.